0: Jacob Spoonley joins us on the program. We're going to talk some footy. Jacob, good morning. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Good to chat to you, mate. Now, you're an East Coast Baysman, are you? <laughs>
1: Uh, and and what kind of trees did you have to shake to get that sort of information? Oh, I know no, I found
0: that information. See, I, 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 I'm i a man Abbott grammar boy. I, I love my school, secondary school football. I've got kids playing for the West Coast Rangers at the moment. I just did a quick Google on you, Jacob, and that popped up, and I drive past the ground regularly, so I just thought we'd find out a little bit about you.
1: Oh, no, absolutely. Yeah, I... Uh I had a bit of a, an interesting childhood, but ended up uh, at Torbay uh, through the expansion of Massey up to Auckland, and um, East Coast Bays uh, was, my, uh, was my local club. Uh, the same as Sam Sutton's from the Wellington Phoenix, yep. and I did sport a similar haircut to what Sam's got right now, so the mullet very much in fashion. Mine had a couple of highlights in it, though, Mark, because yeah. it was a classy one.
0: Now, a few people said you're an attractive man in a very platonic way. <laughs>
1: yeah, different highlights now, Mark. Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: so where did you go to school?
1: Um, so I was at Rangitata College. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, great school. All, Looking all at, seeing possibly all my, friends, my daughter uh, there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, all my friends were at Westlake. So uh, Tommy Smith once scored a very famous last-minute winner um, against uh, against me, unfortunately, but um, that meant that Westlake won 2-1 on the day. So we got close to upsetting the apple cart at times, but not quite always there.
0: Did you ever play the Might of Mighty Man Albert Grammer?
1: I did, and I had a uh, Kevin Fallon. A couple of incidents with Kevin Fallon. I'm um, sure. So I'm sure you did. I'm sure you did. That, but uh, yeah. No, uh, yeah, got a lot of time for Rory and the Fallon family, but um, at times things did get rather tense on the sidelines, particularly at that number one field at Mount Tabot Grabber.
0: Yeah, hard place to play, hard place to play indeed. Hey, uh, I just want to quickly um, get your thoughts on Alex Paulson, the current Phoenix goalkeeper, um, a young keeper, but boy, he's already sort of become a bit of a cult hero. How good is this young man?
1: Fantastic. Um, and I think he is one of the latest crop uh, which is the production of the Wellington Phoenix Academy system. Uh, Alex is originally from Auckland, um, so I'm sure they will be, they'll be brought up at some point over the course of the next 12 months as the Auckland franchise is introduced to the A-League. But the first thing that you are aware of when you come across Alex is his maturity and his calmness. Um, and I think you see that play out in his game on the weekends. He's somebody, just to get technical first, Mark, that is confident in his ability and that means that he will make a save very, very late. He trusts himself to get across. He wants to give himself the time to judge things and to to make the best save possible. And from a technical goalkeeping perspective, you don't always see that. Sometimes goalkeepers want to make the save even before it's kicked, Um, but that's not the case with Alex. And then you combine that with the composure that he displays, which becomes the foundation for the way in which the Phoenix play out. Um, particularly under Italiano, um, with his ability to command the 18-yard box. And although it's early days and we shouldn't get carried away, I think we are seeing a young player that is taking the opportunity that he has been given uh, to start the season after a couple of introductions in previous seasons um, with both hands. Uh, Mm. So... Definitely one to watch as we start to make our way towards this 2026 World Cup cycle for the
0: Whites. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. Um, you know, it's easy sometimes, even sitting on the sidelines, to see the X factor in certain players, strikers, midfielders. But what are those traits that you look for? What are those traits that separate good goalkeepers from great goalkeepers?
1: I always talk about, and it's a cliche, and um, I've seen it uh, have the Mickey taken out of it online. But there's an arrogance it's a confidence that borders on arrogance and i think if you're flirting with that line you want to be considered or perceived to be a little bit arrogant and it's the self-belief that you have that you will not only contribute towards your team and the way in which they want to play the game but you also have the pointy elbows to push someone back if they're trying to get into your space and it's something that i don't think necessarily translates into all walks of life but it is an absolute necessity in professional sport, in particular professional football, um, the other thing that I love to see is the marriage of two really important aspects, um, and it's undeniable that you need these in professional sport. It is the physical ability to actually play the game, and sometimes um, that is uh, translates into your actual size. But the other point is the intelligence, the way to understand a game, to understand what someone's attempting to do to you, to adjust uh, within your own repertoire, and then also to recognise really important moments. And those are kind of the three key things for me that I think everything is built outwards from.
0: How much of is it mental, and can you get yourself into a bit of a hole where you lose your confidence and you've got to somehow rebuild that, let's use that term you use, rebuild and rediscover that arrogance?
1: I think it absolutely can happen. And goalkeeping in particular is a position where um, where unlike every other position in football where you are doing the attacking or at least there's a good component of the game that is about attacking, a goalkeeper is by and large always being attacked. So there's a bit of a uh, an inversion of everyone else's experience in football. Um, so it's very easy to then get pegged down and to get bogged down into what you could be doing wrong or what you can be doing quite right. And I think if we want to just have a look at two examples of someone that's really enjoying their football at the moment and someone who's trying to rediscover the form that um, meant that they were making headlines in the A-League all the way up until last season, Alex Paulson and Ollie Sale. So Alex has grabbed his opportunity with both hands. He really has made a name for himself, particularly with those lovely highlights from 12-yard doubt where he saved two penalties so far this season. Compare that to Ollie Sale, someone who was entrusted with the gloves for the all-whites' most important game potentially in, in 10 years, Mark, up against Costa Rica uh, as recently as last year, I think it was, um, now finds himself on the bench at Perth. So it can change very quickly, and I say that as both a positive and a negative. Mm. Um, we've seen it change very quickly for Ollie, but it can equally change very quickly over the course of the next couple of weeks, and I'm sure he is somebody that we will see again very shortly uh, in an A-League uniform and, and hopefully um, regaining his position as a senior in Darren Baisley's squad.
0: How, how easy is it when you have a bit of a howler as a goalkeeper? No different, every player has a howler and sometimes goalkeepers will have a bit of a howler. How, how easy is it to put that out of your mind and um, refocus and you know just continue to have belief in a game when things maybe have gone against you?
1: I love it. The simple answers are often the most complex, but they're still simple in what you have to do. And I think that's the way to describe it for the listeners, is that it's incredibly simple. You park it, you move on. But it's undeniably complex at the same time, where you have to battle pretty much against yourself in order to move on with the game and to realize that the moment isn't coming back. And the reason why it's so key that you move on quickly is because you have a job to do with... Um, the rest of your team. And that might be over the course of the next 90 minutes or it could be over the course of the next couple of games until you get that moment where you you achieve that equilibrium again.
0: Jacob Spoonley is my guest on the programme. We are going to talk Somali. We are going to talk the Wellington Phoenix but I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated by this conversation. Always interested to sort of understand Uh, different sports and different positions. Uh, When you get a... I mean, you see a goalkeeper like Alison for Liverpool, and I'm a Liverpool man, and we saw maybe a couple of errors last week in that game against Manchester City. Uh, Does that give you reassurance when you see arguably the best goalkeepers in the world making mistakes as well?
1: Yeah, it does. Selfishly, it does. Of course, you do want to see people performing, and and if they're going to be denied um, and lose a game, then you want it because the other team's better, not because it's been self-inflicted. But it does. Uh, And I think that's the reality with football and what we're probably experiencing um, at the moment. And and we're understanding that it's not necessarily about technical ability always um, or physical ability. It's about the the ability to transfer and and step up into the bright lights. So, yeah, you're always going to make mistakes. and, And even the best players in the world will make mistakes. It's their ability to move on quickly and to to understand that within the context of their overall performance, although it was impactful, it doesn't define them.
0: What sort of supplementary work does a good goalkeeper do? Do you guys do stuff on trampolines? I mean, the flexibility to have that, um, you know, the the reaction time. Uh, You've almost got to be a gymnast. I mean, take us through some of the supplementary work that a goalkeeper does that perhaps uh, a a field player won't do. Yeah,
1: it's everything. It's everything and it's anything. Um, so I had a goalkeeper coach, for example, that used to train us with the tennis racket and tennis balls just to give you something else to do because you it, it can get into a routine where you get bored um, as part of training. And I think it's important that um, you always kind of spice things up. You create variety um, and you put yourself in a situation where you have to view the same issue or the same challenge that you got, is going to be put forward to you in a game from a different angle. And understanding why it is that you do things, and potentially why it is you don't do other things, um, really adds to refining the whole um, the whole training process and getting better. Um, so it's all about a calibration. Um, I think once you get up to that top tier at the senior level, um, and just making sure that you maintain that calibration, but add in that refinement process as well.
0: Mm. It is 12 and a half minutes after 12. You are listening to the Saturday session. Jacob Spoonley is my guest on the programme. We are talking football. Uh, Let's talk about the Wellington Phoenix. I want to start with the women's first. Big story this week that one of their key midfielders, Chloe Knott, has quit mid-season. Look, it just isn't financially sustainable. She's got a full-time job and she's decided to pursue that. Um, Sad, Is um, is there a resolution here or is that just the commercial reality of where the women's game's at at the moment?
1: I think there's a real tension here between seeing the acceleration of the women's game, um, particularly international level, um, and the success that we witnessed firsthand with the success of the the World Cup in New Zealand and Australia. $500 million, US dollars, Mark, of revenue Hmm. was derived from the three weeks that we hosted that tournament. Yeah, um, that's 970 million New Zealand dollars. That's an incredible amount of money. That demonstrates the value of the game. What we're now witnessing is that obviously that's not a universal experience, and there needs to be an engagement and, a, and an ability to harness the success at that global level to ensure that at the regional and at the national levels um, we are pursuing equity, um, pay equity, and equality across the genders whilst at the same time making sure that at the moment we are not experiencing the attrition that we've demonstrated with chloe where a talented player has to step away purely because they can't sustain um being a professional player themselves uh, in the a league
0: Mm, yeah and it's that balance isn't it financially can we afford to pay them more as does the business model yeah it's yeah it's 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 a fascinating space that we currently find ourselves in and Hopefully, in time, it's sort of there is a sort of natural progression or natural resolution that does, um, yeah, that we find it. Yeah, you know, women's football in a better position financially, uh, or allow our players to stay um, within the sport. Uh, let's turn our attention to the Wellington Phoenix. They take on Western United tonight, out of Melbourne. What have you made of the Wellington Phoenix so far this season?
1: I think it's been a, a very interesting um, dynamic that we're witnessing at the moment. Um, The one thing I think everything is built on is the succession, this cohesion, this familiarity that has been developed over the course of the last five or six years. Uh, I think it's very easy to forget the foundational work that was put in place by the likes of Ufurtale, not only during COVID, but before it as well. He had the Wellington Phoenix flying um, as we were crippled by that horrible virus. Um, And they, overcame so many challenges off the field over the course of his tenure impacted by COVID that I don't think we have truly saw the potential reached um, under Talay's team. What we are seeing now, though, is there's a couple of tweaks um, and perhaps some freshness and vibrancy that's been introduced by Italiano, the assistant under Talay, so the familiarity with the concepts and the players already there. He is just tweaked things slightly. And what it's amounting to is enjoyable football where the Phoenix are being effective. Not only is it a situation where they are, they are putting together a run of three really impressive wins at home to start the season, but they've gone away to difficult situations. They've gone away to Melbourne Victory, a team that one of the perennial powerhouses in the A-League. Um, on a Friday night fixture uh, where the North Terrace was full and the Victory had... Uh, an Arsenal of attackers, Valupole, Fornaroli, um, Azani, and the Phoenix were able to nullify victory. And everyone made a lot about the no shots on target. But if you actually go back and watch the tape, there's around about a half dozen very decent opportunities that the Phoenix create that don't amount to a shot on goal uh, had the ball fallen one way or the other inside the six-yard box. I think we could have been talking about um, a very different result in Melbourne. Um, and then, if you want to kick back all the way to the beginning of the season, a clean sheet at Western Sydney Wanderers, the team that was in the conversation to go top last night and got beaten by a very competent Brisbane Raw team. So, the Wellington Phoenix, I think their brand um, their brand is developing, and unfortunately some of their history is preceding them at the moment. If this was an Australian team, and if this was a team that under Talley had gone deeper into the knockout stages of Uh, the end of season, then I think we'd be talking about a team that would be more front and centre for the A-League so far this season. But they do get undercut by the fact that they have the wrong passport, I think, and um, the fact that we didn't quite see them achieving potential under Tully. So turning to Western, I think this is a game where if you want to confirm yourself as somebody that will not only be a contender but wants to be up the very top of the table, the Phoenix will need to go and pick up all three points Mm. at kick-off this evening, 7.30 New Zealand time.
0: I want to ask you this: What have you made of the overall talent of the A League? I mean, you know, it's a league that continues to expand. We've got twelve teams. Auckland's going to come and make it thirteen teams. Sometimes when you have expansion and you have growth, what that can mean is that you get maybe a diluted talent pool across all teams, and the standard doesn't necessarily improve. Are you impressed by the standard of football you're seeing in the A League? Is it continuing to? Is, it, is the general standard continuing to improve season on season?
1: I think there's there's two things here, and the one's the generic point, and then the other is the local. So I'll, I'll start with the generic, Mark. And what we've experienced over the course of the last two to three seasons, and I think, won't say this lightly, but definitely impacted by COVID and the financial crunch that that put on teams, is that they weren't spending money on overseas players, or they were more interested in providing opportunities to young players. And what that has meant is we've gone through this kind of bumpy period where we're not quite used to um, seeing our local players on the screen in front of us. But now after the last transfer window in particular, where we shipped something like 15 players off to European leagues and the cherry on the top of the cake was, or the icing on top of the cake rather Mark was Aaron Kunda being signed by Bayern Munich, which would be effective uh, at the end of the season. Um, is that we are having our own league validated to us by overseas markets that we really value. And that is a very powerful thing for the A-League to capture. So I think it's no longer that they are just a local league. They're a local league that has a developmental presence in the global game. And the second point, if we just make this local now, so the Wellington Phoenix has often obviously been questions about New Zealand's ability to develop players, well, what we've seen is that our all-whites team is now full of players that are playing in overseas leagues and a not insignificant portion of those players have never played A-League football. So we're producing players that can transfer almost immediately to Europe. And the second um, part of that is, part of this conversation is, well, what happens if, when the Auckland team comes in? Is that going to impact um, on players that we do produce? Is it going to impact on the quality of football that we do see? And one of the questions that I think is, an important one but definitely uh, uh, makes me kind of um, uh, roll my eyes slightly is that oh, the Auckland team coming in will simply dilute the quality of football and dilute um, the uh, the the concentration of the development in this country I think th- the exact opposite is true uh, Mark we are uh, at a stage now where having done a bit of a, a, a back-of-the-envelope calculation if you wanted to go out and recruit for this Auckland team independent of the Wellington Phoenix, i.e. you not going to cannibalise or target anyone that you want to bring across from Wellington, you could do so effectively and you'd have options you'd have options to the effect of around about 20 to 25 players which is more than enough to fill a squad and those players are playing in not necessarily premium European leagues but they're playing in second tier European leagues so the likes of Denmark, Finland um, uh, there's a couple of boys that are in Ireland for example and then We're also seeing players that have decent experience in the USL and MLS competitions in America. So all of that said, um, this is an exciting time for club football and professional football in this country. Not only do we have a pathway from the local into the A-League, but we've also got this fantastic ability for the Auckland team to hit the ground running and to be competitive from day one. So from my point of view, it's exciting because the players that I know about and I know what they're achieving overseas, um, we can now bring them home to a New Zealand audience that potentially hasn't seen them and maybe doesn't appreciate what it is that they have been doing. A real flight of the concords moment, Mark, if you will.
0: Jacob, I have thoroughly enjoyed this chat. You are a class act, my good man. You are, uh, uh, yeah, wonderful. It's been brilliant. Um, Just before I do let you go, who's your football club? Who's your Premier League side?
1: My family is from Birkenhead, but not on the North Shore. Uh, we're from Birkenhead up in um, Liverpool. So we're not quite scouse enough, Mark, but we're, we're close enough that we do get to wear a red shirt. Oh, and, you're uh, a
0: beautiful man. You're a beautiful my, man, eh?
1: For my sins, mate, I've had to suffer through the white, <laughs> uh, the white suits at Wembley and the almost and the Steven Gerrard slips. And it, it, I'll tell you what, I wouldn't change it for the world at the moment. No. Jürgen Klopp, although we haven't won as many... He's still the man for the role.
0: Yeah, it's funny, I often get asked what's the best thing you've seen in sport and I say, Well, I've done some wonderful things as a commentator, but I think probably the most emotional thing I've watched, I go back to May 9 May seventh, two thousand and nineteen, Barcelona at Anfield. We needed to win by three and we ended up winning four nil. Goals to D Origi and Wayne Neldon and I still find myself regularly going back and watching that on YouTube and only Liverpool, only Anfield seems to be able to deliver that level of drama. One
1: one thing before I go, mate. Um I remember we lost 3-0 at the new Camp to set up that um With lead to a The score brilliant
0: Messi, goals. yep. Mm. And
1: I was having a chat to my mate, and I said, look, I'm not going to say this to anyone else, but I'm not that worried about being embarrassed at Anfield. I thought we got amongst them. I think we were the better side.
0: I think we were the better side in Barcelona, yeah.
1: Absolutely, mate. But then when you saw on social media um, what was happening around Anfield and the build-up to that Barcelona game, mate, Mo Salah wasn't even on the field. I know. People forget that. It is a, it is a shockingly yeah. average Liverpool team that demolished Barcelona that day. But it wasn't, it wasn't even Anfield, mate. Anfield was, every, was what everything was orbiting around.
0: Yeah, you had... The
1: you angst had, and the, the intimidation that existed, Mark, for Barcelona in and around that field and on that day must have been something.
0: Yeah, I mean, you had Shakiri playing, wonderful cross there to set up that third goal for Wayne Eldon. Now it's interesting because I, um, you know, you, you do watch a lot of stuff, and you talk to, you hear the different managers talking about Anfield that it's not marking and it is the most hostile environment, particularly for European club games. And yeah. Um, the, yeah, if you do watch the official UEFA film on it, you just get a sense, and and you cannot buy that. That's all about history, and it is. Um, Yeah, it's just one of those special things in sport, isn't it? And I have seen Liverpool play, haven't been to Anfield yet, but it's on the bucket list. It's the one thing I want to do. I want to go and find the place where everyone has breakfast. I want to do the walk to the ground. I want to take (laughs) it all in. I want to absorb it all.
1: Well, in two to three years' time, Mark, hopefully we're talking about uh, an Auckland team playing at a ground which is purpose-built, a rectangular stadium that creates an atmosphere that aspires to be like that... Um, that we see on the on the TV every week uh, in european football it can 't be a replication of what we see in europe it 's got to be a stadium for Aucklanders mm. that Aucklanders can fill to watch. Mm. just play on the field, mate. So that's the most exciting thing about all of this for me.
0: Yeah, no, I'd agree. Hey, just quickly back to that Liverpool game, I was listening to BBC and Alan Shearer was sort of saying, I've played here many times, but I've never heard an atmosphere like this and you just, you know, you get goosebumps listening to it, eh? And that's coming from Alan Shearer, hardcore Newcastle man, you know? So yeah, wonderful stuff. I encourage people, you don't need to be a Liverpool fan to appreciate it, just need to be a sports fan. Same with 2005, same with Manchester United beating Bayern back in 99. Jacob, it's been a privilege and a pleasure, my good man. Thank you. Brilliant Brilliant. Loved it.
1: Not a problem. And uh, just the last thing on that game, that Liverpool game, it was one of the only times I've seen sound, Mark. That's the best way to describe it. That's the atmosphere that they created.
0: That is brilliant. I have seen sound, growing men crying. It is unbelievable. Oh, you're a beautiful man. The only thing missing off your CV is you didn't go to Mount but Grammar, Jacob. Anyway, we can deal with that one. <laughs> we can cope Love with you, that. Mark. Have a good day, mate. See you, mate. 26 minutes after 12. Wasn't he great? Wasn't he good? I thoroughly enjoyed that. Fascinating.